Welcome to the Nurse Leader Network Podcast with your host, Chris Racinos. Wherever you're going on your nurse leader journey, we're here to help you get there. Welcome, everybody, to the Nurse Leader Network Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Racinos, and today we're in for an amazing treat. We have the Executive Director of the ANA California with us today. Welcome, Marketa Huskwa. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, it's great. We've been trying to connect for, I think it's been months and months and months. And uh, I was in a role as a chief nursing executive at Kaiser in the middle of pandemic, and it just like took way too long. But I am so glad that we finally were able to connect. So it's great to have you here. I'd love um, to start off by just having you share with us your nursing journey. What did it look like? I mean, you're the executive director of an entire state of nurses. And where'd you start off at? I started off in communistic Czechoslovakia when I finished four-year nursing school and started my work in uh, med search uh, unit for first, I don't know how many months. And then I moved, uh, I did uh, formal training and I moved into uh, emergency, emergency room. And then finally, when a position opened up in um, yeah, this is, yeah, I'm sorry for the mess. Um, and when position opened up at, at um, ICU unit, and then I worked in OR, I was a nurse anesthetist, and then in recovery room, and then I got myself into America and worked in ICU and also recovery room and PACU. And so I was also involved with disaster relief and emergency, emergency systems and disaster relief and planning and disaster response. And, uh, and in the meantime, I was still involved in politics and policy. I was very involved in, uh, in politics in Czech Republic. Um, I was uh, offered uh, first internship and then fellowship at the Office of Vice President of the European Parliament in Brussels and in Strasbourg. Um, I was the advisor to um, city officials um, in my town where, I, where there is still my home in Czech Republic. And so we were trying to change a policy and political process and the decision making and do somewhat like shared governance obviously in democracy because for 40 years my country didn't have free election and um we uh we were under behind the iron curtain and so uh life was a little bit different than uh, when the revolution came and so i was part of all of that so i always knew how politics how crucial important it is to everybody's lives because i was part of it and my family lived through it and my dad was the mayor elected official in our city and so i saw how incredibly important politics is so when i came to to America via England and Canada when I finally made it to America, um, I was somewhat surprised that my colleagues, fabulous nurses, fabulous experts and fabulous leaders, how they had absolutely no idea about the political um, process and political happenings and how important politics is in healthcare and in nursing. And so I always looked for ways how I can get involved. So I volunteer at uh, California campaigns. Um, I was campaign administrator for uh, for uh, election campaign to California Assembly. And so this is how I was making my way into the statewide uh, arena. And then when the time came and I finished my double master's degree, I was looking for ways how to get involved fully in politics and policy. And then somebody said, 
there is this organization in Sacramento and they have their office and you need to look it up. And I think they are involved in policy and politics. And it was the American Nurses Association California. So I hopped on a Southwest flight. I flew over here, knocked on the door, uh, <laughs> got to talk to the woman who was sitting there, the, the previous executive director. She goes, yeah, we don't have money. We cannot really hire you. But if you want to help and volunteer, come back in January. I was like, okay. So I packed my life in San Diego. I drove to Sacramento. I knocked on the door in February and she goes, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) I need to help you. (laughs) And so, and so this is how uh, kind of my journey started with ANAC. I knew that for the next year or so, I will not be making any money. So I was living off of my savings, but, uh, but as life, um, progressed and uh, ANAC started to take a little bit more active role really in legislation and regulation. Um, the various board of directors saw my value for which I remain grateful. And so then I was offered the position of um, government affairs director, then state director, and then in October 2017, the executive director. And that brings me here. <laughs> wow. That is a journey yep. and and there's some lessons in there folks so if you hear you just keep knocking on doors and you just don't stop knocking on the doors yep. it sounds like your dad might have been like a huge influence in terms of um, policy and kind of showing you the importance of it what would you say to nurses that are listening that ha- don't have that political um, you know uh, reference in their mind in terms of like why are politics important to healthcare? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Something is happening here around my house. Oh, no and worries. so you hear the sirens. So I think it's the fire trucks are, are coming to, to our neighborhood. Um, I think that uh, just from the, you know, for a f- first hand at home at the dinner table, we didn't talk really about anything else but politics. We talked about foreign policy. We talked about domestic policy and we talked about political systems. That was normal conversation in my, in my family. I don't really remember if we ever discussed anything else. The issue is that we were not allowed to discuss politics, we were not allowed to discuss foreign policy, and we were not allowed to criticize the regime. So what we learned to do is to discuss things very quietly, um, only inside. You do not talk about things that you discuss outside. Um, When we try to look for Radio Free Europe or The Voice of America, it was inside our basement trying to find, you know, ham radio and trying to find um, the waves from, uh, from West Germany. And so this was my this was my growing up. And so ever since very early age, I knew how important it is. And so I think that once nurses realize what an important role they play in politics or in policy, what an incredible wealth of experience and experts we can offer to the decision makers where right now in California, not one is a registered nurse. I think that that's where my excitement comes from because everything that majority of things that are decided at the California state capital somehow has influence on public health or on healthcare or access to food, access to transportation, quality of living, social determinants of health. And I think that's where we bring our enormous um, wealth of experience and our transferable skills. And I think when I always during my presentation, when I'm lucky enough to be somewhere in person and actually talk, um, <laughs> I always talk about the amazing skills we already have. We have all of the skills. We just need to learn and appreciate that we just need to turn them around and use them in a different arena. But I am still using my skill set from nursing. Wow. I, um, I'm like sitting here thinking about like my own children and how I have 
not done a great job of really introducing them to politics. But, you know, I read this, um, I was reading this article the other day, and it was like kind of mind blowing to me. And it talked about the um, diversity in in our populations. And so when you look at legislators, policymakers, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, folks in the Senate and and whatnot, um, you know, the overwhelming majority of them are um, white males over 65 years of age, right? They, I think they comprise something around uh, like 90%. And then when you look at what percent of, you know, white males over 65 comprise the United States, it's like not even 10% or something like that. And so it's interesting to see how, um, huge of a gap there is in terms of policy making and advocating and 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 all of that and i think you have hit the nail on the head i was teaching my students the other day you know systems about systems and how you know something as small as a change that we do at a hospital how it can impact your entire community um in every way shape and form and so you are absolutely correct around you know we have exactly what we need to implement uh policy and make it really um, generalizable to who it is that, you know, the communities that we're serving. But unfortunately, it's not a huge piece of nursing school. And so I think yeah, it's, it's a lot of people yeah, don't have yeah. their eyes open yeah. to it. Can you yeah. walk me? But also, but also, I think that, you know, my entry into politics was out of necessity because we had to survive the awful regime. And I think that when I, you know, my first uh, 17 years, 16 years in California, it was uh, nobody really had to pay attention to politics, uh, except hopefully, you know, people vote. But but other than that, life is really stable. And and uh, and politics, uh, there are these uh, systems and infrastructures and institutions and they look after the political system. What I think last four years taught us for better or worse is that if we don't look after the system for whatever reason, if we don't vote or if we don't hold our political uh, leaders from either party to account, if we don't question, if we don't have the bravery and the ethics to stand up and speak up, what can happen? And I think that the events of the insurgency or you know some kind of um, insurgency at the state capitol from the 7th of January, I think it shows us yet again how important it is to look after our political systems and our political institutions. And I think that now many people actually have the discussion at home, at dinner tables or, you know, on Zoom, since you cannot meet with families. Um, I think that this situation really brought the importance of politics in our everyday lives. It brought it back. And maybe out of that awful experience, you know, something positive can come up that we focus back again on politics and back again on the importance of institutions and the importance of discourse, but respect on the on the importance of political debate, because that's where we started and we just need to turn back to it. So I think this is a great opportunity to kind of go back and start to learn again about politics. It's true. It's true. I don't know that there's anybody who hasn't talked about it or heard about it, right? My son yeah. came up to me and he was like, Mom, do you see what's happening in the Capitol? My you know, teacher's telling me. And I said, yeah, I, I'm sitting here watching it unfold but yeah. before my eyes. And so it was a great opportunity to talk to him about it. And I think, you know, even if we had not had that happen, let's say that event mm-hmm. had not happened, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We have nurses yeah. that don't have PPE. We have nurses that mm-hmm. are completely burned out. We are outside of California mm-hmm. ratios. We, you know, just all of these different yeah. challenges like that in itself would you know, make me reflect on as a nurse, have we really done everything we needed to do at that level uh, to ensure that we have what we need to take care of people? And the answer is no, we haven't. Um, And so, you know, I think a huge light has uh, switched on and, you know, we're now looking at the um, 
culmination of really not being involved in policy where we, you know, should have had a voice a long time ago. Can you? I think the example. I think the example of really underfunded and anemic public health system, uh, you know, in California or actually throughout the U.S., but especially in California, since this is where we live. I think that's a huge example where uh, nursing or professional uh, public health voices um, have not been heard or have not been um, involved in decision making and have not even been asked to be part of certain decision making, because again, everybody just do public health. Oh, you just get the sector certification, you know, when you finish uh, BSN and then, oh yeah, it's just public health, right? I mean, nobody really actually knew what is it that they're doing and nobody paid attention. But now with 58 counties in uh, um, in California now tasked or people look to them with, you know, vaccination strategies, I think that we are now yet again more aware how incredibly important public health is and how um, how the California administration and the federal administration should really beef up our resources and our response because nothing could be clearer than um, than COVID-19 2020 slash 2021. Yeah. How would nurses influence that? How would how, how as a body of nursing can we say we need to have public health funded? We need you to hear our voice. What's the first step? I think the first step is that you have to belong to a professional organization. Um, I think because for individual individual nurses, and I was individual nurse uh, in on ICU floor in Southern California, as an individual without an organization, it is really difficult to get your voice heard. That's why you have variety of professional organizations. For ANA California, we are the affiliate of National American Nurses Association, and we are 501c6, which is a lobbying organization or we are trade organization that is advancing our common interest and so since we can influence decision makers we have a different status in, in nonprofit. there are plenty of other nursing organizations that are not lobbying organization but there are charitable organizations such as foundation we work and cooperate and share information with all our partners so just because you don't belong to a lobbying organization as long as you belong to a professional organization we try to share information uh, across our membership and across all the different silos for which we are still in nursing very deeply and, you know, ingrained. And um, I think that's one of the problem is the silos in nursing. But uh, there are, I think, 57, uh, maybe even more different nursing organizations just in California. Wow. So you can see how not only silos in terms of ICU versus ER and NICU versus, I don't know, labor and delivery. And then you have this health system and this health system and this hospital and this institution and this clinic. The silos are very deeply ingrained. And so what we are trying to do is to work across the different variety of organizations and trying to share. So all my colleagues, they know that I keep sending them all these emails because <laughs> I want them then to share it with their members. Uh, because it is really important that we as nurses, we are highly educated profession. And I don't really see a reason why there is half a million of us in California and we don't have a political voice. We really don't have political presence. We don't have political capital. Now, the thing is that when you ask, why is it or why is it that we are not part of it? Many times I hear that what I am doing is absolutely wrong because nurses should not be political. Nursing is all about politics. It's all political because it's about decision making. Who has access to care and to what care and when? 
And so when you realize that it is the state legislators, it is the California state legislature, it is the California state assembly and California state senate that makes decision for healthcare in California. It's not the federal government. They do have, because obviously we know Obamacare was passed and so there are certain mandates, but then the implementation and the logistics of delivering care, that's all California. So it's the California legislators that are deciding what you can and cannot do in your nursing practice. And the moment I explain this, everybody usually goes, oh my God, I didn't know that. Now I know why I have to pay attention. Because if there is not one nurse out of the 120 legislators. If there is something, if there are decisions being made about public health and nursing, who makes the decisions? People who know nothing about nursing. And if we think that if we as professional organizations are not there, it's okay, somebody is there. Yeah, somebody is. But do they have professional nursing and nursing uh, best interest at heart, right? Because it's always, it's always, um, um, kind of battle for influence and the, the arguments you are using and the stories you share. And so where I feel that nursing has enormous leg up is that for 19 consecutive years, we've been ranked by Gallup poll, the most ethical and trusted profession. There is half a million of us in California, 4.2, 4.3 million in the United States. That's a, oh my God, we're the largest employee group in healthcare. And so I think that we should have political capital and we should have the influence and the ability to educate the decision makers on why, on why certain things would help us and would advance the profession and would help public health nursing. But some even maybe well, well intended um, aspects and legislation and bills, they can hurt access to care and, and uh, profession of nursing and, and healthcare overall. So I think once I think once nurses realize that it's not abstract somewhere, somebody is making decisions, but it's about us and we have the voice if we choose to use it. And if we belong to professional organizations, I think everything changes because that's where they realize that the power of professional organizations is then at these halls of powers. It's at uh, regulation meetings, it's at legislative coalition meetings, it's at meetings with the governor. And while I appreciate and understand that my colleagues are looking after actual people in the hospitals and in clinics, I have the utmost privilege to lead an organization that is looking after their interest. And so the more people I have, the more members the more uh, phone calls, the most letters, the more Facebook posts, uh, the stronger digital campaign we can show the elected decision makers, the harder they are listening to us. So if I show up somewhere and I say, you know, uh, while we nursing, we nurses, we appreciate what you're doing, this is really hurting us. And they look at me and so how many members called our office? Uh, Marketa, two members called our office. So clearly, it's not that important for your members. And I'm always trying to explain to them that that's not how it works. We work long shifts, we work extra shifts, we have responsibilities. That is my job to tell you what my members want. And they go, no, we need to hear from our constituents. So that's why I always ask, do you know who your elected official is? Right, look it up. Uh, look up my elected official in California. Put your residential home address and boom, they're right there. It's really important to let them know 
that some that you're aware that something is happening, that there is a bill that could help us or could hurt us. It's really important because they keep track. They have a person there who is answering the phones and the person is making notes how many times people called on what issue. And so then when I show up and try to explain to them how critically important this is and they go, yeah, but we had three people calling in. You know, that's where I think nurses can really help their professional association by being aware and by being engaged. And we are trying to make it really easy. We are trying to uh, create sample letters. We are trying to give talking points. We are trying to pre um, pre fill out uh, different uh, forums and different letters through our digital campaigns. We just need nurses to know how important that is. And I think that's always the number one issue I'm trying to maybe round away <laughs> right now. I am trying to convey. So, <laughs> Thank so, you for the time. Yeah, for sure. So so do you, are you saying that when we get those sample, you, I'm sure everybody's gotten them where you have, you know, mm-hmm. something that comes in the email and it's like a generic letter mm-hmm. and then you just click mm-hmm. on, you know, your representatives yeah. and you send to it, that that has equal weight as picking up the phone and calling them and saying, hey, I want you to listen. I think that uh, it should not be this or that. It should be this and that. Ah. Uh, so those who uh, those nurses who feel comfortable to picking up the phone because there is always click here, you know, call them. Click here, send them an email. Click here, uh, you know, follow them on Twitter. Click here, post on Facebook. And I think that um, if each of us, and there is half a million of us, if each of us uh, twice connected uh, with our elected officials, whichever way, I think that that really would show the power we have. And um, it really makes them listen to us because they know that there is this vast amount, that there's this huge number of us. And we're very important. We're very influential because we are uh, the most ethical and trusted profession. So we have the platform. Um, We just need to use our voices. And the way we educate uh, our patients inside institutions and clinics, I think that our voices need to be also heard outside the institutions. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, I think I didn't realize how much... um power you have in your voice, even as, you know, a single voice, um, until I started advocating for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. I um, advocated for them to have that three-digit number. And we had been advocating for a couple of years, but we got, over the last year, really, really impassionate about it. And I think all of our legislators from across the nation heard it because we were able to put that through, right? So now in, I think it's 2022 or 2023, we'll have our three-digit number that's similar to 911 where we can call for um, folks that are in crisis. So I, I, I see how that works. And you're, you're so right. You know, every, I sat here when I graduated, I remember when I graduated nurse practitioner school and um, I was thinking about, you know, opening up my own business. And then I saw how difficult it was here in California. And I had friends in like Texas and all these other places that right had independent practice and opening up their own business. And I realized like, what, what, what is that? Like, what's the difference? And so I started following really closely um, the um, California Association of uh, Community Clinics, CCLAC. I started following their work closely. And it was interesting because every single time an independent practitioner law came up for nurse practitioners, it was never written by a nurse. We had optometrists. I mean, we had all kinds of different disciplines, but nurses had never written for it, which was frightening and appalling and scary. Um, And so, you know, we recently just had our bill pass um, that Mm -hmm. gave some type of independent practice. Could you share a little bit about what that 
what that bill is and how it's impacted California? Sure. Yeah, it was Assembly Bill AB, Assembly Bill 890, and it was authored uh, by Assemblymember, the uh, chair of Assembly Health Committee, Jim Wood. Uh, he is a dentist. And so uh, uh, I I really like to be talking about Jim Wood because um, he's a kind man. I met with him several times. And uh, um, I think that his story of how he got educated as to what nurse practitioners, because this bill is focused only on nurse practitioners. So how he got educated about what nurse practitioners do, because there was a previous four years back, there was another bill again, focused on nurse practitioners and he voted no on that bill back then. The reason he came back in 2019 and he authored and introduced this bill is that he was part of the California Future Healthcare Workforce Commission, which was headed by Grace Napolitano. And uh, there were, I think, 30 or something like that, 30 commissioners who is who of, uh, of California and national health care. And so they were looking into uh, access to primary care. That report looked at primary care. And so they realized that uh, the looming primary care physician uh, crisis is such that there is actually a category of providers who could help, and that's nurse practitioners. And so the more he was looking into it, the more he was looking into the education, the more he was looking at the quality of patients' outcomes, the more he learned about what nurse practitioners do and how they work. That changed his mind completely from going against full practice authority into actually authoring a bill for nursing practice for nurse practitioners uh, full practice authority. And so I think that that's that, that's a fantastic example what you can do with education and with um, somebody really listening to you when you are uh, sharing uh, data and evidence based practice. So Jim Wood authored this bill and. While many of the bills were not written by a nurse, but nursing organizations such as California Associations for Nurse Practitioners and us and Health Impact and ACNL and all the other APR and coalition organizations, we all work together. And so we all read the language bills. We all uh, read the amendments. We all were submitting our issues or our arguments or our propositions. So while a nurse didn't write it, our voices were heard and we were part of the process. The issue with that is that this is politics and politics is all about compromise. So several amendments had to be accepted and it was a really hard pill to swallow for all of us. But uh, amendments had to be accepted. Otherwise, very strong groups would uh, put a barriers uh, for this bill to move forward, and we would we would end up again with nothing. As of you know, past twenty five years, we couldn't get anywhere. This is the first time actually a bill was passed, and so. Uh, there are some um, some provisions that uh, until, you know, starting 1st January 2021, so um, everybody is grandfathered in, but starting, I think, 2023, if I remember correctly, um, there has to be uh, three years or 4,600 4, hours of transition to practice. That's first. And that cannot be part of your previous RN. That cannot be part of your uh, NP training. That has to be additional 4,600 uh, hours. And then you have to be a nurse practitioner in good standing for three years. And then, if I remember correctly, BRN is deciding or BRN will issue another exam 
even though nobody understands why. But again, that was one of the amendments that had to be accepted. So then there's going to be another exam at the California BRN. And only then you will be independent nurse practitioner. So those were really difficult amendments. But also, I think it's important that we got it passed. Um, it's important that we... Um, we saw this legislative success and then let's see what we can do, you know, next year, what we can do in 2023 when we have more data. We can always come back to the legislature and uh, and tell them that, you know, can we change this? Can we improve this? Can we shorten this? Studies show, uh, evidence-based shows, right? Hopefully there is something we can do to make it a little bit easier. But as of today, the bill, uh, the law now, the law in California is such as it is. Wow, that's great. What? It's not. A, it's not a simple process. No, it doesn't uh, sound like it. It's <laughs> complicated. It's really difficult. What um, advice do you have for nurses that are in other states that don't have independent practice yet? Like, so they they can you know start by joining their professional associations. What would they do after they join their professional associations? I know a lot of nurses who join and then every year they pay their dues and that's literally what it is. Like they don't go to any conferences. Yeah. They don't do anything. So, what would you be yeah. your advice once you get into your uh, professional association? Then what's next? Well, once you join our professional organization or, or any other professional organization, that each organization, speaking for my organizations, we have various committees. We have legislative committee, nursing practice committee, nursing education committee. Um, and then uh, while committees are great things and there are these long-term activities, um, we also established plenty of short-term task forces or work groups because, you know, nobody has two years to give, you know, to work. Work on a on, on a certain issue or cause. So what we can do uh, with the resources we have is to focus on, um, let's say, uh, writing recommendations or writing a white paper, writing um, lit lit review. We're focusing on different things where we can, with our resources, we can use all the knowledge and expertise and experience we have, and something that we can share with other nurses, share with other organizations, and share with the elected officials and the decision makers. So right now we are working on uh, with a work group focused on racism in healthcare. And that's yet another very important thing while it's not focused necessarily on legislation and regulation, but who knows? It may be part of regulation. It will definitely be part of internal policies and institutions. So uh, these specific issues, uh, topical interesting issues come up quite often. And so what we do is we share it with all our members, are you interested in serving on this task force focused on social determinants of health, let's say? Are you interested in working on nursing in long-term facilities? Are you interested in working on... Um, uh, we just had a discussion about um, the technological burnout uh, uh, in um, EHRs and electronic health records. So we are trying to excite and inspire nurses to be part of these short-term work groups or task forces. And I think that gives them, uh, I guess it, it opens a little bit the curtain as to what professional organizations do, what we can do, what we cannot do, what we have the resources to do. But 
uh, it all, we're always trying to make it really exciting. Uh, one example was, I think, two years ago, uh, ANA California was chosen out of all the different 37 state organizations, along with New Jersey State Nurses Association, to be part of a coalition, infection, infection disease coalition with CDC. And so we created a task force, ANAC CDC task force. Um, we created peer-reviewed, um, peer-reviewed webinar. Uh, uh, our members were able to present the webinar live to 2,000 people. It was actually uploaded to CDC website. It was on our website. It was on ANA website. It was the most watched um, webinar in terms of reusing reusing equipment and how to disinfect it or sterilize it. And so then we were invited to uh, to research scientific research symposium where we again brought our members and they were presenting. So there are all these different aspects what we can do and how we can make it more exciting. And I think that anytime nurse stands up and starts speaking on behalf of nursing and on behalf of the specialty and on behalf of um, uh, increasing access uh, to high quality timely care, that's nursing advocacy. And so that's what we do. And advocacy is our core business. And so we're just trying to make it a little bit more exciting. So, and we have plenty of people trying to get connected with us. So, which is absolutely fantastic. And we're just trying to pick um, interesting topics. So people are interested because after 12 hour shifts coming home and have to be on three hour Zoom call discussing policy, I don't think we would have people coming back to us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I, it sounds it sounds like we just have so much ability and and we just need to prioritize what is important, right? Because if we aren't liking what we're seeing at the bedside, we have the ability to change it. It's really just yeah. about taking that first step. Um, so I'm like totally sold. I mean, I, I didn't even realize all of the things that um, the ANA works on. So this has been yeah. beyond enlightening for me. Um, what are some of the other strategic priorities that um, ANA is working on right now? What are some other um, pieces of you know legislation you guys are looking to move or different priorities? Well, uh, legislation. Uh, so uh, California legislature should be back actually in person across the street uh, at the state capitol, but obviously due to COVID, they're still not back. So I think that uh, the first year of a new legislative session since we just had elections, so we have new people in both houses in assembly, 80 people in assembly and 40 people in Senate. Um, they will start or they already started, but again, it's, it's, it's virtual and it's via Zoom and it's really no fun for anybody who is in politics because there is something very special when you step across the threshold at the state capitol and all those nurses who attended our RN lobby day uh, here at the state capitol they know there is something very special when you walk into that building and then you go and you meet with uh, with, with the legislative staff um, they always listen. They want to hear from us because everybody loves a nurse. And when you say, oh, hi, I am Marketa. Uh, I am a registered nurse and I live in your district. And first answer you hear, oh, my God, we love nurses. <laughs> and then they start to tell you, my mother is a nurse and my grandmother is a nurse and my sister is a nurse. My dad is a nurse. There is always minimum two nurses in a family. <laughs> so everybody is very connected to us. The issue always comes uh, for us actually asking, you know, delivering the ask, what is it that we want? And because everybody knows that nursing is so complicated, they always hear something and they go, oh, <laughs> we get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but just bringing nurses into the building is 
uh, it, it always makes me so happy because by bringing nurses into the building, I always say that we are removing barriers between, uh, you know, elected leaders and nursing leaders, because just by stepping into the building and going into the office and sitting down and then you realize that it's like this, you know, shabby desk. <laughs> there are like these two young people sitting there <laughs> and you're thinking, why was I scared for three days? <laughs> It's just, we are removing barriers. So that's why I love going actually inside that building. But now it's virtual. So lobbyists, usually they have access to, uh, or they call in, oh my God, this is like 1958. They call in like one 800 number. They call in and they're trying to get to be heard at different committees. Uh, Roxanne Gould, our fantastic lobbyist, she was telling me that I think that in July or August, Last year, she was trying to uh, give our support for for specific bill, and I think Senate Health Committee. And so when she called the switchboard, she was number like three hundred eighty two. Oh my goodness! And when it finally came to her, uh, so the operator goes, "Okay, you know, you can now talk." And she goes, "But my bill was decided twenty minutes ago." So they didn't even have access to it. And I think that's kind of problem with virtual government. Oh. But it is what it is. We have to do the best. So what we are really doing is focusing on digital advocacy. And so we have different platforms. We have fantastic guy, Jared Fessler, at our office, along with Teresa Mankera. They're fantastic with the member engagement and Jared is drafting and crafting all the different messages. And so as legislative session will, will, will continue, we will have these different, we call it campaigns. It's just these digital platforms, digital campaigns on specific issues that you would be able to go to our website. Right now there is maybe one or two, but we don't know what bills are introduced yet because they have until end of February to introduce bills. So that's why it's wait and see. But once we know the priority, that we're going to be working on, we will have these digital campaigns for nursing advocacy. And so you will be able to go to our website, click here, pick what issues you, you are interested, what you want to be part of, and you can just kind of get involved like that. Because that's that's our 100% uh, focus right now. Since nobody can go anywhere, we cannot even go get a cup of coffee, and there is definitely no meeting. No. So, so it's from it's from the couch. It's a new way to do that. You can't get e easier access than when it's available to you on the couch. So there's no excuse now. <laughs> exactly. And we are really trying to make it fun and, and simple and easy. And, you know, Garrett, uh, Jared constantly talks about uh, trying to do like different gaming, you know, like gaming aspects into it. So it's interesting for nurses and it's fun to do as opposed to, you know, oh, my God, it's a drudgery. I have to be part of advocacy. That's completely wrong approach. So we are trying to make it a little bit different and really trying to make it um, somewhat easier and I guess fun and yet show how incredibly important your voice is as we covered at the beginning because there is somebody at the office and they are uh, marking how many times people call or contact them on specific issues. There is somebody who is actually keeping count. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, you guys had recently uh, a campaign, or maybe it wasn't called a campaign, but it was around having 10,000 nurses on boards. Yeah. Tell me about that. How did that come to be, and, and what was the results? Well, actually, it was, uh, oh, my God, I think everything was like two years ago, but actually it was like 2013, 2014, I think, uh, that uh, an idea came about uh, with ANA uh, strategic goals back then 
um, one of the goals was increasing nursing voices inside and outside facilities. And I actually use this strategy and use this pillar in all my presentations because I think that it uh, it stays really important. And one of the things was how can we um, strengthen nursing voices and nursing presence at decision-making tables? And so one aspect was uh, nurses on boards. So this is how it started in, inside the nursing, nursing community discussion. And it was, I think, ANA was really part of founding ideas. And then uh, out of that became this uh, independent organization called Nurses on Boards Coalition. And so ever since 2015, they were their uh, independent organizations that their whole purpose was to have a each representative in each state. So we had, I believe, Mary Dickow from Health Impact in California Action Coalition. Um, she was the California, uh, California liaison. And so all we had to do is, which was really difficult, but all we have to do is get the nurses who are already um, serving on boards and coalitions and advisory boards and PTAs and school boards and clinic boards, having them uh, register, I guess, I guess, again, register their vote. Re I'm sorry, register their voice that we already have so many nurses. So it was not necessarily about placing nurses, but it was about placing nurses and counting, making sure that we have 10,000 nurses on boards and coalitions. And so yesterday I was reading in one of the updates that we made it, that we have, we achieved it, true, three weeks later than 2020. But yeah, but we uh, we managed to place 10,000 and count 10,000 registered nurses on boards and coalitions and PTAs and advisory meetings and advisory groups. That so yay! Tremendous. That is so tremendous. Yeah. And now we need to go for 100,000 boards. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think that we have more. I think that people, nurses don't even realize that they should go into, you know, what did I say? Uh, uh, nurses on Bart's Coalition dot org, and they should, uh, you know, they should input their information just so we know how many nurses. Because I guarantee you, we as nurses, we serve and help and volunteer in so many organizations and in so many areas, but we never think to brag about it and we never think to celebrate it because it's like, yeah, that's what you do. Yeah. Yes, that's what we do. But we should celebrate it. We should say thank you. We should acknowledge it. And I think I still don't think that majority of nurses in California actually inputted their information because if they did, we would have way more than 10,000. Yeah, I, you know, I am like totally going to raise my hand because I'm guilty. I I, sit on, I serve on a, bo a board for a school of uh, healthcare professions and I yep. did not fill that out because I didn't know about it. So, yeah. See, now you know. Yeah. So, no, yeah. No, I'm gonna I on. wonder like what is the goal that, you know, the coalition will do now because I think that they will continue because they know how important it is. Yeah. And so I'm sure we're going to have another 10,000. Awesome. <laughs> That's so great. Uh, this has been a fantastic conversation. I mean, you really have brought so much value to um, our profession and and just kind of highlighting the importance of our voices and how to use our voices, which I think we just don't know how to do. If folks yeah. are interested in joining the ANA, how do, where, do, where do they find, you know, how do they find us? 
Well, you can go to our website, ANA California, one word spelled out, anacalifornia.org, uh, and then there is join us. And and one of the one of the advantages with, with ANA is that since we are an affiliate of the national ANA, uh, the one uh, the one uh, one low monthly fee, it kind of gives you access to the resources and to the um, activities and efforts of both organizations because we are um, independent organization from ANA, but obviously we work very closely. We are the state affiliate and they are the national organization, so we work on different things, but you have access to both. And National ANA um, is doing amazing things on much larger and national scale for which we obviously cannot do. And so I use their resources. Um, I use their white papers and their policy papers. I use it all the time. I use it as citation and I use it in my presentation. So when you come to our website and click join us, it will bring you to the central um, central database, which is thankfully operated by ANA. So uh, you get, I think right away, you get access to, um, to both organizations and then you will receive uh, email from ANA and then email from us where we're welcoming you. We give you login into our website website and into the membership materials and you're good to go. And for those that are listening outside of California, is there affiliates in all of the different states or is there some states yeah. that don't? There is? I think it's like 40 or 39 or 40. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just just look it up. Uh, sometimes it's uh, it's ANA, Idaho, ANA, Michigan, ANA, Illinois. Uh, so just look it up because for all those not living in California, yes, all the all the major states, they all have it. Yeah. And then are, are folks that, that live outside the country able to join ANA or do they have to, you have to live in the U.S.? I don't think you have to live in, but you have to have, uh, for us, for California, you have to have California RN license. Okay. But there are plenty of people who live abroad and who keep uh, who keep uh, their original licenses. So I also have a license. My original license is from Colorado. And so I do keep both licenses. And so I have access to both organizations. Okay, great. And Marquetta, if folks want to reach out to you just to kind of get to know you better or, you know, contact you for whatever reasons, how can they reach you? Well, you can reach me at my email, which is ed, executive director, ed at anacalifornia.org. Uh, we, uh, we picked our domain very easily. <laughs> or you can reach to our office. Uh, Teresa is, is at the end of the phone call, which is 916-346-4590 or anac at anacalifornia.org. We want to hear from you. And if you are our member or you are not our members, we always talk. We always listen. We never um, send anybody to uh, trash uh, in the voicemail or in the email. We always respond. Sometimes it takes us a little bit longer, but, but, we, but we do respond. So we want to hear from you. Awesome. This has been fantastic. I've had a great time. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. And thank you so much for listening. Awesome. Okay, so I'll stop the recording. Okay. So how was it? It was great. Oh my gosh, you had so much really great information. Sure. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, this is great. Um, because like, you know, sitting here on my couch <laughs> with my nice top and sweatpants. <laughs>
Yeah, no, this was awesome. This was really, really good. So I I totally appreciate it. I'm going to, I'll go ahead and I will um, get this edited and then we'll have it. I'll I'll send you the copy of it. And then um, if you could send me a picture um, so I can use it in like the promotional materials and then I'll send it over to Jared so he can put it on the ANA website too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So usually after like each of my uh, of each of interview or each recording, then I call him and I say, "Oh my god, I was talking way too long and I no. was laughing stupidly." <laughs> you stupid jokes. <laughs> Let me tell you something. The per- when my listeners tune in, they are not ta- tuning in to hear me. They're tuning in to hear my guests. Yeah. And so yeah. it's an expectation that my guests speak way more than I do because you guys are the reasons that I have you on, right? You have the information. Yeah. I don't have it. I just facilitate sucking the information out, but I'm definitely yeah. not the one that has it. So, um, no, this, this is great. Chris, thank you so much. I so appreciate the invitation. It means a lot. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I know you're a very busy woman. I can only, I can hear that's it. Great. So this has been really and great. So you, you know, you know how to get in contact with us because even if you, if even if you email Jared or Teresa, we are constantly in contact. So if there is anything where we can help you, anything you're working on and you need our help, you know, we're always here. So please let us know how we can, you know, help you and assist you in your efforts. Yeah, for sure. I mean, me and Jared have talked several, several times. Yeah. So yeah, he, uh, he's a, he's a, he's a cool <laughs> guy. I like him, but yeah. yeah me too. Me too. Awesome. Okay. Well, you have my contact info too. So if you need anything, let me know. This has been really great. And like I said, I'll let you know when everything's going to come out and just send me that picture. Perfect. Thank you so much. I so appreciate it. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye.